And LaCroix turns out is Latin for Nordstrom perfume. Mm. I don't know if you know that. Oh, really? <laughs> I was hoping you'd so have you... a spit take right there. That would have been great. <laughs> I almost did. Ruin your, ruin your computer. So it's Latin for Nordstrom perfume. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. So, Patrick, welcome. Yes. We're, we're here. It's another day. We're recording a podcast. Another um, day, another dollar. Yeah. Podcast is free. Yeah. <laughs> so not another dollar. Yeah. Um, but um, definitely another day. And, and this podcast is Design Much. And I want to welcome you, Patrick, and I want to welcome all of our listeners to the Design Much podcast. It's the podcast you listen to to level up your design game one bite-sized skill at a time. Mm-hmm. And today we have a good one for you. We we talked with our our guest um, T.J. Nelson, um, who, who came to our our Design Much studio and talked to us about <laughs> a really fancy studio. <laughs> studio. This studio exists about the same as Envision Studio. Oh. <laughs> I think this exists a little bit more than Envision Studio does. Actually, yeah, there's foam on the walls and stuff. Yeah, we have like a table. Yeah. We got our mics, and we're we look really legit. We don't have to sign an NDA to talk about it either. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it actually exists. And people have actually like come in and seen it, and I think we we posted a photo of it too on Twitter. We did once. Yeah. Maybe we should do that more. Yeah, we should. So people think this is real. I looked amazing in that photo. Yeah. So you did. It looked awesome. I looked really good. Good thing <laughs> I wasn't in it. <laughs> I know you're you're taking the photo. We gotta hire like an intern or something to take our photos for us. Yeah. Um, but we need a photo intern. If anybody knows a good photo, <laughs> photo, pho- photography intern. Yeah. That's how you say it, right? Photography. That's, a, that's exactly how you say it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I go to the University of Utah to study <laughs> photography. <laughs> this is so far our best intro ever. This is fantastic. And you know what? I'm going to hijack it even more because I have a surprise for you. Oh, no. I don't like surprises. You, you knew this was going to happen. I know you knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I did not know this was going to happen. Um, I, I have something important we need to talk about. Here. Andy, oh, have a LaCroix. Oh, yes. LaCroix? La LaCroix? How do you say it? I say LaCroix. Do you, you hear that? You have one, too. I have one, too. We have two and LaCroix so here's, going here's on. Here's the thing. Over the weekend, you sent me, on Friday, you sent me a thing that said, have a good weekend, enjoy a LaCroix, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. That sounds way better than I think the way I put it. Yeah, that's the way I interpret it. And it, made me, it made me angry because I don't like LaCroix. And I think I might be the only person that's actually ever drank a LaCroix because the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, why do people like this? It tastes horrible. <laughs> and I thought, I've never actually seen another human being drink a LaCroix. Are you serious? LaCroix. Have you? Have you seen anybody else drink a LaCroix before? I, I like have, in real life? I have cases of LaCroix at my house. I, I know. That's what and everybody I, says. I, and then I have – when people come over to my house, which is few and far in between, they drink that LaCroix. So my, you, you've seen it. You've seen it firsthand. I have seen it. And I believe you eat. I believe you drink Lacroix, right? Absolutely. This is your favorite. What what flavor is this? This is cran raspberry. Cran raspberry. Yeah. Right. It's good stuff. Okay. I think we should try it, and then because I think this is a joke, because <laughs> I think it's a myth that people actually actually oh, enjoy. I have converted people to Lacroix. Like. Okay, let's try it right now. Let's do let's this. Try it now. You gotta you gotta I'm do it in the mic. It, I'm gonna open it, it by mic. my mic right now. Okay, you open yours. Okay, it sounds like any other can of soda. Shouldn't it? Should it sound different? No, I think it's. Sh- I think we're describing. This sounds like any other can of soda. This is not. 
This is this is real. This is real, yeah. If you can smell it, it smells like cran raspberry. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Cran, yeah, cran raspberry. That smells like that. Mm. What does that taste like? <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like cran raspberry, man. It doesn't taste like cran raspberry. It doesn't? I don't know. Let me let me try. I'm nervous. I'm Have nervous. you had this flavor before? No, I've never had this flavor before. So I'm scared. It's one of my favorite. It, like, you just go for Can it. Can you hear that? Yeah, we got some fizzing. Can you hear that fizzing? It's a beautiful sound. Okay, I'm going to drink. It tastes like freaking, I'm drinking carbonated perfume. Come on. That's what it tastes like. This tastes like hell. <laughs> Do you want to know my theory? Do you want to know my theory, Andy? <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> my theory is that, you know what, Nordstrom, when you go into Nordstrom, <clears throat> you go over to get some new uh, perfume or cologne. Some perfume. Perfume. That's what they call it in France. Okay. Okay. Uh, you, you get some new perfume. Mm-hmm. You go in and they give you the little testers, right? They give you a little tester. They squirt all the little testers in there. And they squirt a little tester and they give you the tester and then you take it home and you, you put it on you and you test it, right? Yeah. So they have all these testers. But then, but then what happens to all the perfume that they don't sell at Nordstrom's? All the leftover, right? All the leftover perfume they don't sell, like, like, like old Mont Blanc or yeah. Aqua Digio or whatever it's called. Like, what are they? What if it doesn't sell? What if Justin Timberlake comes out with a new or Justin Bieber? Doesn't matter. Pick a Justin. The the Justin clone comes out, but but some people get in early, but then it doesn't really take, and then now they've got like they've got gallons of leftover uh, perfume. What do you think they do with that leftover perfume? I don't think they have leftover perfume. No, I think they have a lots of leftover. There's, dude, we're Americans. We waste everything, so they have to have leftover perfume. Okay, but Nordstrom being being conscientious <laughs> about not putting this in landfills, what do you think they do with it? Well, um, <laughs> going along with your theory, because I don't I don't think they are conscientious about landfills. Because again, this is America, right? <laughs> um, I, I think I know where you're going with this. This is essentially... You know as well as I know. This is a muffin stump scenario. That's a Seinfeld <laughs> reference. <laughs> They're just throwing it away to some other company or the, the poor, right? Yeah. The poor of mind. The poor the of mind. The people who drink LaCroix. Because this... poor of mind. This, I, my mission this year in 2018 <laughs> is to find evidence that this is actually Nordstrom perfume <laughs> that's been carbonated and put in a shitty designed can... And sold to designers under the guise that this is somehow better for them. Okay. This, this, is ter- this tastes terrible. This does not taste terrible. I can't believe you drink like, this I, crap. I don't know what you're like um, comparing it to because literally it's like a sparkling water with a little <gasps> bit of flavor to it. And if you look at the ingredients. Dude, watch my face when I drink it. Like I'm not. Hey, hey, the first I time react. you drink it, the first time you drink it, you had a perfectly normal face. I think the same face. <laughs> The same face you you get when you like drink a Dr Pepper, you know your diet Dr Peppers. Now now you're now you're giving me a really like <laughs> a really no, give, sour. Give face. a baby give a baby a lemon. Have a baby eat a lemon and see what their face looks like. That's what my face looks like every time I every time I sip on any Lacroix. Like it doesn't matter or Lacroix. I don't even know how to say it. I don't either. It I, doesn't I'm matter. It's LaCroix. <laughs> well, I would like to know. Um, at least if that is the case. At least I am actually doing something with this extra perfume. Instead of it going to some <laughs> landfill, it's at least going can, somewhere. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with people drinking it. I just want people to be honest. 
That's my whole pursuit is to be is to have people be honest and practical about themselves. So are you are you trying to say that like I'm lying to you about drinking this drink? No, I want you to not lie to yourself. Oh, lie I to want myself. everybody to understand what they're drinking. That you, that Lacroix is really, <laughs> really just bottled and carbonated. Uh, Nordstrom used leftover Nordstrom perfume. Okay. Okay. If you if you still so, enjoy it, that's fine. That's fine with me. I just want you, I want to prove to the rest of the world that that's what's happening. So if we're we're definitely putting Lacroix in the spotlight <laughs> here, we're questioning Lacroix. Why don't we question every other um, drink that's similar to this? This isn't like a, a straight up like sugary soda drink. No, it's not. This is its ingredients it's pl- is it's plain. It's plain like, as the taste on my tongue that there is no sugar. Yes, in exactly. This crap. Exactly. So <laughs> anything else is like artificially sweetened, right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it actually says naturally flavored. Yeah. Which says to me that it's like some sort of fruit flavor. But anything else that is like sweetened this per- same perfume, way. Perfume, perfume. This is perfume. my perfume has fruit. Anything in it. They else? Use fruit extract. And why? Perfume. Why is only Lacroix being put on the spotlight here? Uh, what about all of these I, other I drinks know. that are very similar? Should we? Should we do this to everybody? Maybe it's. Maybe all of them do it. Maybe, maybe Nordstrom is selling their perfume to all the companies. But I think I think Lacroix. I'm picking out Lacroix more because Lacroix is like. If I'm on Twitter, people are like making statues. Like designers are making statues out of their LaCroix in the office because they drink so much of it. <laughs> like designers for some reason really like LaCroix for some reason. Sure. Te- the tech industry for sure. some reason. They really enjoy it. And I don't know why. Well, maybe we should find out that as well. Yeah. Why do we love LaCroix so much? Yeah. Because that's a bigger mystery than, than, Is it? than Bigfoot. <laughs> to, to me, that's, sure. that's the biggest myth of all time. Like – Chupacabra? I can accept that a chupacabra lives somewhere. Like, I can accept that. I can say, okay, maybe I can go, hey, maybe Bigfoot does really exist. Easier than I can understand why somebody would want to drink this. Okay. Well, so maybe this is maybe this is part one yeah. of an investigative okay. design much report. Yeah. So we're, we're gonna have we're gonna <laughs> dive we're gonna dive deep into. This is going to be like one of those true crime podcasts. <laughs> We're stretching to true crime. <laughs> We're not going to really learn about bite-sized design skills anymore. <laughs> We're going to solve this mystery for you guys. Well, maybe this maybe this is why – maybe people drinking this is why there's so many problems in the design community. So many people hating on each other. Oh, man. So many people stealing each other's work. Because we're putting, putting perfume. Because we're putting – we're putting you're putting perfume instead of spraying this on your skin to smell uh-huh. good. You're actually drinking it. Yeah, perfume in the tummy. That's not that's not good. But yeah, because there's got to be other weird chemicals in here that we don't know uh, about. Naturally flavored chemicals. Yeah, yeah. terrible stuff. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, we talked to T.J. Nelson. <laughs> They're about fifty percent similar. Customers, users, <laughs> yeah, they're both you know for experience. So yeah, we're <laughs> stepping in the right direction. What's product bound? So Mr. Product founder, thing. Mr. Founder of Product Bound. Yeah, so Product Bound is a thing. Uh, it's a sixteen-week product management UX design boot camp um, sponsored by In Moment. So we're actually mm. hosting um, our classes in the evenings at In Moment, and. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was teaching at Dev Mountain for the past two and a half years or so. Uh, you remember that, right, Patrick? Mm -hmm. you, you were part of that. I think. At one point. I think I may have taught you. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Wow. So yeah, I had you know a number of different uh, potential students hit me up and say, "Hey, man, we want to we want to learn product and UX." And so um, me and you know a few other designers and product managers that I know are like, you know, let's just kind of make this thing happen. So. It's been a lot of fun, you know. I mean, as far as the curriculum goes, it's uh, we try to cut back on content as much as possible. Where you know there is a lot of content out there. It's you know you can surf the web, you could read you know all these different books and kind of get the content that way. But being in the class, being in the boot camp, it allows the students to you know kind of learn by doing and have mentors and teachers there to kind of guide them along the way. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. So they're like learning by experience, as you said. Yeah. Sweet. That's, that's kind of their, you know, their user experience. They're learning user experience by their user experience. Yeah, Is that like student yeah. experience? Is yeah, it's SX. 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 As, a, <laughs> as Patrick makes a face. Yeah, that's uh, it's too close. Yeah, be careful there. <laughs> you within this? Are you teaching or are you doing um, something called game storming? Um, yes. Within within game this storming. game storming, <laughs> game storming. Um, so are you, are you teaching game storming at this? Tell us tell us what game storming is. So I don't know if it's uh, too late to say this, but I'm I'm not technically an expert in game storming. Hey, this isn't this isn't so, a show about experts. Okay, so I'm still gonna get paid yeah. then. Okay. Oh, did we oh, did we say that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I might have. I don't hey, know. Did you did you tell him? We <laughs> gave the last guy a bag of Cheetos. Okay. Does that work? I will be expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it was it was like halfway eaten though, but it was still yeah. good. They weren't stale or anything. No, that that's they fine. were okay. they were on the floor and they weren't in a bag. We put them in the bag. Oh, okay, yeah. so there might be some other things besides Cheetos in there then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, game storming. I I have read the book. Right, there's a book out there, and you know, I've been implementing game storming in my work at in moments, and I'm teaching game storming at product bound um it, you know really like the name implies right it's kind of gamifying the, the brainstorming process okay and so um just like any brainstorming activity you would set some rules some guidelines some constraints whether that be like okay what's the goal of this brainstorming session right what's the problem that we're trying to solve maybe what's the scenario right you can outline some more or less specific parameters to kind of help you um, have some direction in your your brainstorming experience but yeah so game storming just kind of um, you know again it's a book there's high level concepts that are really seen throughout any ideation type of technique, right? I mean, let's take design studios, for example, right? Mm -hmm. It's an ideation technique that I think most of us are familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's one of the games in game storming. And it's, I think, more specifically called create pitch critique, where, right, like, you get a bunch of people in the room, you know, preferably like, different types of people with different domains, whether they be engineers, whether they be, you know, sales or customer success, whatever it might be. But, you know, ideally getting a, a variety of people in the room, you set up the rules of the game or the constraints. Um, 
you know, for a design studio, I really like to say, okay, this is who we're designing for. This is the persona. This is their scenario that we're designing for. And then any other types of constraints or goals, things like that. And then, um, you know, you get everybody kind of creating, right? And that's really another high level concept with uh, game storming is you really want to avoid the loudest person in the room mm-hmm. uh, issue that you can have, right? And so, you know, you level the playing field by saying, um, you know, everybody, these are the constraints. This is what you're doing. Go ahead and start sketching out some ideas, right? You give them a time limit. And then once everybody is done or the time has run out, then you start to pitch your ideas, right? And you're pitching your ideas to then everybody in the room. Everybody kind of has the same voice at that point. Um, and then you start to converge. So up until that point, you're doing a lot of divergent thinking, right? Brainstorming, no idea is a bad idea. And, and then you start to critique or vote on the pitches and the creations that, of everybody in the room, right? And you do that, you know, typically with, you know, design studios, you do that with some sort of sticker type voting or, you know, something like that. Like or give everybody say, three dots and go. Yeah, like, you can do that. Yeah, exactly. Like give every three dots or, you know, sometimes you can set the rules so that people have unlimited dots or they have one dot and they put their dots on the, you know, sketches or whatever it is that you're working on and they put those dots on there and then that kind of starts to converge to, you know, one, two, three ideas that you can really work with as a designer. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, you know, kind of explaining game storming with the example of design studios, but there's a lot of really cool games and uh, ways that we've been doing this uh, in moment and so forth. So, so is there, is there like some default games and then can you create, like, do you create new games? Yeah. So there are core games, right? Like if you read the book, it goes over, you know, the first half is really like, what is game storming? What is a game? You know, um, what are the different types of games and things like that? But they have core games that are really diverging and then converging type games. You know, one is like one core game is design studios. One is affinity mapping. Mm-hmm. I think we're, most of us are familiar with that, but yeah, there's some really core games. There are other games that are like, especially if you read the book, you'll be like, what? the heck is this game even trying to talk about? Like some of the games get pretty wacky. I'm not going to lie. Um, like there's one called body storming, I think. Oh yeah. And, and you that. kind of like act it out and stuff like that. I'm not quite to that level yet. <laughs> that um, like, that's like a charades type almost yeah, yeah. sort of thing. So again, it can get wacky and, and you know, you might want to skip over some of those or, you know, maybe go to those first. I don't know whatever you're up for really. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's funny. So, John Grover, who is the VP of design at InMoment, he's the one that kind of started introducing this to myself and others at InMoment. And, um, you know, we see the value in it because it's, you know, it's really low fidelity type stuff, really trying to understand and define problems and things like that. Um, But like a lot of games are kind of tough, you know, and so we use some time during our weekly UX meetings and design reviews to just experiment with different games. And uh, yeah, some of them have been a train wreck, I'll admit, (laughs) right? But it's good because we have that opportunity to kind of practice as a team where we're kind of hashing out like, what does that really mean? Yeah. So that when we go implement it with, you know, a cross-functional team or other designers or things like that, we kind of feel a bit more prepared. Okay. 
Yes, yeah, so you can take that time to learn from it, right? Yeah. And kind of fail quickly, as fail, they say. Yeah, fell miserably yeah. at that point. Fell miserably fast. Yes. <laughs> So, so what, what has been the value to this as opposed to just doing um, regular brainstorming and having those regular design studios in your team? Yeah, I mean, I think with this book, it gives a little bit more structure to the concept of a brainstorming. I mean, yeah, you can get a bunch of people in the room and say, hey, let's start talking about really cool ideas and just do a lot of um, ideation right mm-hmm. now, right? But again, like you kind of run into some issues, I think, with the lack of structure is you you start to get the loudest person in the room yeah. and then their ideas are like, you know, what really kind of happened just because they're the loudest person. But, you know, I think having the structure, having um, deliberately de- defining what it is that we're working on, what we're focused on, and then diverging and converging um, whether it be in the same game or like if you start one game where it's just divergent thinking and then you come back a week later and then you start to kind of hone in on, you know, a convergent thinking around like one or two ideas. Like, I don't know, it just gives a little bit more structure. And the nice thing about the book too is it just, and by the way, I'm not like an affiliate, like there's no uh, like kickback <laughs> yet, at least for this book. But um, yet, yet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's got some really good ideas of games that you can implement. You know, it talks about the five whys. You know, I think most of us are familiar with that, right? Like asking why five times to come down to like the core problem. Um, uh, I can I can give you another example, actually, how myself and my product manager are using it at in moment um so brandon gardner who i think you've uh worked with right patrick yeah yeah so he's my pm he's great shout out to him and uh you know we were working on this new feature right at, at a moment we've, we've been working on this concept um probably can't get into too many details you know uh, we'll, um, we'll sign an nda yeah okay and okay. we'll tell all of our listeners to sign an NDA. Okay, that might work actually, but uh, I think you'll get the, the idea even without getting the specifics here. So, anyways, you know we're working out this 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 problem, this possible you know epic that we might get into, and um, we're like you know we're making a bunch of assumptions, right? We're kind of uh, following the the Alan Cooper methodology of you know research right and the, the stages of research and so we start with this kickoff meeting and we just make a bunch of assumptions around the product and the, the three major assumptions that we wanted to to start with right and and uh, get feedback from all of these these cross-functional members of our team right we wanted to see like well what are what are other people assuming about this product you know like we're making our own assumptions but what's like what's sales what kind of assumptions is sales making? Oh, what kind, kind of, of more cross-functional departments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. you know, um, our text analytics team or our data science team, what do they assume this product is? You know, who do they assume that we're designing this for? Who's the persona, you know? Like, uh, so, so yeah, we did the persona hypothesis. We did um, what's, the, what's the job to be done? You know, why would someone actually hire this? Shout out, uh, Clay. Uh, Clayton Christensen, right? Um, on jobs be done. And then, um, yeah. And then the third thing was, you know, how does this feature look inside of our app, right? Is it just like a widget or is it its own product, right? Like, what does it look like? And so, really, like, we wanted to find out what assumptions everybody was making around this. And so, 
we we kind of set up this game in a way that um, got these people into the room. And, you know, one thing that the authors of Game Storming, like, really, you know, like, emphasize a lot is that you're working with, like, physical stuff, right? Like, sticky notes, right? Stickers. Um, like, you're, you're kind of just all over this room throwing things up on the wall and things like that. And so... It's more, more of an active yeah, yeah, participating yeah. thing. Then. But, you know, that kind of, like, presents a few challenges in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like that can be a little bit of an issue where, you know, you've got all these different people kind of walking around a room and everything like that. And so we decided to, you know, mix things up a little bit and just have everybody bring in their computers. And we set up a Google Sheet where on the sheet, you know, we had a tab for every single person in the room. So there was really like limited bias. So people weren't necessarily seeing what other people were writing. Hmm. Okay, that was kind of a kind of a rule of the game there a little bit. Um, but, you know, you'd be in your own tab and then you'd write down, you know, several assumptions that you're making around who we're designing for, right? Who is the persona and why? Um, and then, you know, after they did that and then they did the, you know, the jobs to be done and then how does this fit in the product? We decided, okay, now we're going to do a pitch. So everybody kind of pitches their ideas. And then we critique or, you know, we decide from this list, this big list, which ones do we want to vote on or which ones do we think, like, yeah, that's that's the, you know, there's a couple of ways of doing this, right? Like you could say I'm voting for the one that has the least risk, right, mm-hmm. that is going to be the closest thing to a success, right? Um, you know, you, you kind of have to define the success parameters and what you're really voting on. But, you know, we we essentially just had everybody looking at the spreadsheets so that it's not, you know, holding up a sticky note and then kind of reading what you wrote down and then hoping that everybody kind of is able to take that in. I mean, there was, I think, a real value to having kind of this spreadsheet on everybody's desk or on everybody's computer where they could read what the actual person wrote and then they can say oh you know what i have a quick question about that or you know you kind of get feedback and it you know in my experience doing it that way it kind of helped you know rather than sticking to sticky notes and you know kind of the physical space but Well, then you can keep record of that yeah. a little easier, right? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you know, you're taking pictures and things like that. That again, like you have to then zoom in on the stuff, yeah. and it's just mm-hmm. kind of difficult. You that can't way, read but Andy's handwriting. Yeah, Andy. Because he my has hand. the worst penmanship. My ever. handwriting. <laughs> have you seen your hand? You can't even. I, I don't even. I don't have handwriting. You don't know how to write. In no, lowercase. I don't have handwriting. He only types. He only types. Or text. Yeah, I don't handwrite. I see you handwrite all the time. I know. I, I try. Yeah, you try. And it's it's a nightmare. I blame I blame whiteboards for having no friction. Oh. I need friction in my handwriting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to do it. Just blame somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyways, that that's kind of an example, you know, that Brandon and I did recently on this game storming and uh, came up with a lot of really good assumptions from the rest of our team. And it helps us start early in this research process of knowing like, okay, these are the things that we can kind of work with and then go out and validate with clients. Yeah. So, so the games really, the, the, the whole game aspect, it, it's not, it's not game as we're going to have fun brainstorming. It's more game. <laughs> like we're going to control the experience kind of thing. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a game about any game, right? Like any board game has mm-hmm. rules. Yeah. And the reason it's fun is because it has rules, right? If everybody yeah. just kind of did their own thing, then it'd be like, dude, 
that doesn't work, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not fun, yeah. So I think there's something to that, though, like setting up rules or parameters that allow something to be more fun or effective or something mm-hmm. like that. So. Well, and if you can – do any of the games have, a have like, a um, analogy? Is that, is that what I'm trying to say? Uh, oh, yeah. A theme to them? Do they have themes to them or anything like that? Like, Yeah. Um, huh. I'm trying to think. There are, like, some – you know, some games are better for, like, prioritizing, you know, like mm-hmm. if you have a list. I mean, there's card sorting type games, you know, in there um, that are kind of around that. And then there are other games that are a little bit more, like, visual, right, where you're creating – you know, more or less like a journey map, but you're like drawing out the journey, things like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then like the body storming, right, where you're like actually up there doing different things. And so I would say that every game has kind of its unique spin on, you know, accomplishing a, a particular problem. Yeah. Um, another game that we've done recently, it's called um, Brain Writing. And this one's pretty cool. I've, I've never done it before in any other kind of like environment, but we had recently a product vision strategy road mapping 2018 type meeting right and that was with our product team and ux and a couple of uh dev leads and you know after the meeting we wanted to get feedback on how we could have made this meeting a little bit better or you know kind of um talking about the structure of the meeting and things like that what can we do to make this meeting better next time so we did a brainwriting um, game where, you know, you pose a question, right? The question was, how can we make this meeting better next time? So you give everybody that question and then it's silent. Everybody has their own paper. And then for 30 seconds or so, you know, you're just writing down different ideas line by line on the same sheet of paper. And you're saying, okay, this is what I think could have been better, right? And then after 30 seconds, you hand your paper to the left. And everybody kind of passes their paper. And so I'm getting the person to the right of my, myself and then seeing what they wrote down. And then by seeing what they wrote, it kind of generates more ideas on what I think could have been better. You know, so you're kind of taking the person next to you, um, seeing their different ideas on how they can make something better. In this particular example, how they can make this meeting better and uh, just kind of sparks new ideas. It's kind of like... Um that game Chelsea brought in. Yeah, what was what was that called? That uh, illustrations game or whatever. But yeah, it was like, um, Scrawl. Scrawl. Yeah. Scrawl. That's a great game. <laughs> you played Scrawl. We yeah. could do that with like you with interfaces. That would be pretty sweet. I think you have an idea. Ideas, man. Yeah. Game storming. You have a book idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, um, how often do you say you would like? When do you know when it's time? Oh, we need to do like a game storming session. Like when? When do you know when you need to actually go ahead and do it? Yeah, I mean, really, it's all about like the problem that you're trying to solve, right? The the typical go to answer. But yeah, I, I'd say game storming is a really good tool for ideation. So when you're in that kind of ideation phase, or you know, even if you're in the empathy phase, you know, it kind of helps you get people into the room, um, you know, collaborating, talking, diverging, converging. Um, and again, every different game has its own sort of like uh, objective, right? Like this is what we're trying to accomplish with this game. And so, um, yeah, I think 
really, it, it's hard to say. I mean, anytime you have like a particular problem, you might just think, okay, is there a game storming activity that I can do that's going to help me solve this yeah. type of problem? Yeah. So. so when you have a problem and you need a specific outcome, you want to choose the right yeah. ga- game storming um, game yeah. to give you that outcome, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you guys have um, like a a catalog of ideas or anything like that or a list of well, ideas? Well, that you, you know, the do? book, Game Storming, you know, it, uh, like I said, it, the first half is really kind of this introduction into what a game is and it gets into some of the details a little bit on, you know, best practices, things like that. But, you know, the second half of the book is really just like, hey, here's a bunch of games yeah. <laughs> that you can, you know, pick and choose from. So does and, it give uh, you like a theme like... Like this is like a four player type thing. Yes. Yeah. The theme is, is finding, you know, finding conflict resolution or something yep. like that. So yep. it does that kind of yep. thing. Exactly. Oh, nice. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, board games do that a little bit. Like it shows you like, okay, it's between four and eight players. Type yeah. Of thing. yeah. So, um, ages 12 and up, ages 12 and up <laughs> preferably. So yeah, it gives you some of those guys. It's actually written pretty well in that, um, you know, has like the objective and then it has, you know, specifically how to do it. It gives you a lot of really good examples in their illustrations and things like that that kind of help you say, well, they did it this way. And so we can kind of do it this way. And, you know, again, like Brandon and I, as we were doing our kind of pitch, uh, create pitch critique, we're like, you know what, let's kind of put our own spin on it and do everything in Excel and just see how it works. Yeah. And it actually kind of worked out really well. And so we're probably going to do that um, going forward too. But awesome. What What are some of the, in your experience or in, in the book or website or whatever, are there any cons? Like are there any, are there any cons to brainstorming when, or uh, excuse me, game storming? <laughs> Careful there. <laughs> yeah, TM, so, right? Trademark yeah. infringement. <laughs> So any cons to, to game storming? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, um, so, some games just are not good, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out, like, how some games work and how, like, what's the value we get out of playing this game? Like, this is horrible. But, you know, for the most part, I think that they're all they're all pretty solid. Um, you know, yeah, I'd say that that's kind of the con that I found so far is, like, some of the games I just can't really picture working with a group you know um but other than that as long as you're kind of following the high level principles you know like again avoiding you know leading or biased questions avoid you know um having you know ambiguous definitions around the objective or the problem that you're trying to solve or you know getting uh maybe all of like you know, I don't know, like not getting enough of the right people in the room or having too many of the wrong people in the room. You know, I mean, it's just kind of trial and error as far as, you know, kind of figuring out what works for you as the designer and works for the particular problem. Um, so, yeah, I think to, you know, as long as you're you're kind of keeping away from having one person dominate the conversation, things like that mm-hmm. um, really help make it for a more effective experience. But Do you, do you guys have um, like remote employees or anything? Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever done any of these games with remote employees? Yeah, actually we have. Um, so one of our designers, uh, her name is Becca and she is working remotely from Spain as she finishes up her masters in interaction design. 
So yeah, she is full time, one hundred percent remote, and uh, in Spain. <laughs> so the time difference being pretty pretty wild, but um, it definitely you know poses some of its challenges, right? Like sometimes if we are using post its, we have to. Um, you know, have her just kind of type out what she would put mm-hmm. on a single post-it and things like that. And then we have someone write it out. But, you know, as we are experimenting with like, well, let's just throw everything, you know, on a, a Google Sheet or use, you know, like real-time board or use Trello or some of these other tools that are out there. Like, um, you know, you can kind of get, I, I think one, a clearer picture for everyone, but also the ability to have those remote employees kind of um, collaborate a little bit better. Yeah, be involved in the process. Yeah. So let's say there's a, there's like a designer, a design team that wants to implement game storming in their company. How would they go about getting started? Yeah, good question. So what type of a company is this and how many, <laughs> how many designers or what's their like uh, UX maturity level? Because I think that all of those types of things might have a big play on how that question would be answered. But. Okay. So let's say that, um, let's say it's a smaller company with a smaller maturity level in terms of UX. Yeah. So it's, they, they don't have a lot of say in the company. They probably don't have a lot of buy-in to how, you know, getting all these people from like sales, from engineering into the room to do this sort of activity. Yeah. How would you recommend they go about it? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that InMoment had a pretty low UX maturity three years ago. And, you know, we had very limited number of designers there. And it was really wild. Like the first time we did a design studio, where it was just like your traditional create pitch critique. Um, And we got a lot of like stakeholders in the room or, um, you know, senior level leadership in the room doing a design studio. And even though like these people are more strategic and higher level, um, getting them into the weeds for, you know, a two hour game storming session, um, I think really shows a lot of the value in, in UX. And it's really like going through this type of a game, whether it's a design studio or five wise or brain writing, like I think it shows people the value of design, you know, setting up the right proper constraints, um, getting, you know, especially when you do have senior leaders, like senior leadership in the room, like the aspect of, you know, quieting or, or giving everybody kind of the same, you know, like playing field, right? Mm Mm-hmm getting away from the loudest person in the room is a huge benefit. So, you know, that alone really makes for a a really constructive brainstorming environment with your senior leadership. But, um, but yeah, I was really impressed actually with how things turned out after that initial design session. And I think, you know, that just, um, really helped our initiative going forward in developing our UX maturity because senior leadership is able to see, oh, wow, they're doing some really cool things. You know, like a lot of senior leaders at smaller companies don't know UX. They don't know the value of it. They don't know why they're paying this person this much or whatever, right? And so um, having a little bit of transparency into kind of the method, the methodologies into good design can, uh, I think, just help in the long run. Great. So Cool. Yeah, and it looks like, too, just to piggyback on, like, the book and getting started, that I just went to their website, the GameStorming website. That yeah, GameStorming.com. Yeah, they have a bunch of games on there, too. Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, so you know you and, need to get the book. Yeah, well, uh-huh. I think you should probably get the book. 
Yeah, since Maybe. I get like a ten percent for yeah. for everybody from everybody that buys it. Yeah, so if you're in the downline or something, right? something like that. Downlines, yeah. we're in Utah, right? Everybody knows downlines. <laughs> MLM or uh, multi-level something. Yeah. You're in Utah County now, right. TJ. This is. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to get out as soon as possible. MLM. I'm trying to get back on the other side. <laughs> Are you uncomfortable right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm antsy right now. <laughs> so, uh, TJ, while we have you here. Uh, we wanted to ask you, <laughs> I don't know how to do an MLM pitch. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you have any friends that would be interested? Yeah, do you have any friends or family members that would be interested in a set of knives? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is good stuff. Just, I'm just kind of scrolling through here, but they've got a lot of, uh, games in here. Just, they've got one for decision making mm-hmm. name, uh, the name of it's 35. I haven't played Sounds that one mystical. Yet. Wow. I haven't 35. Number of players, four to 50. Dang. 50? Yeah, we could do a quarter of our company. <laughs> that could get just unruly. 50 people yeah, seems too that wild. That sounds crazy. Yeah. It's like a game show. You need a host at that Actually, point, Actually, so right? there was one game that we did. I can't remember the name of it exactly, but it's where you have kind of a meeting within a meeting. It's really weird. You have two circles, and um, the inner circle is having kind of a game storming session, whatever it might be. But then there's this second layer or this second circle around that inner circle that's just there to observe. Like the rule is that they can't say anything. They can only jot down notes. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, if you make the constraints uh, to a point where it's like, okay, you cannot talk <laughs> type yeah. of thing, then uh, you can only observe. That could be where, you know, a, a higher number of people make sense. That sounds cool. That sounds like uh, Westworld-ish. It sounds you know? kind of creepy. <laughs> I, haven't seen, I haven't seen Westworld. You haven't yet. seen Westworld? No, I need to. You should go watch it tonight. Okay, deal. Well, Andy, that's, a, that's another one. Done. D-O-N-E. Done. D-O-E. Oh, that's how it's Another spelled. interview. D-O-N-E. Okay. Right? That's done, right? I think so. I, I wasn't sure about that E, but... You thought it was D-U-N. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's D-O-N-E. <laughs> it's a silent... <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Let's add silent that to... Silent E. <laughs> <laughs> that always gets you, man. Every time. I'm going to add that to my lesson. Like in learned. design. That silent E in the word design. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. And uh, what did you learn from from our? Yeah, so I'm. I, I learned a lot, um, basically because I knew nothing about what we what we were talking about. So he he, he came and he, he taught us about um, something called game storming. Yeah. Right? No, I had no idea what he when he said that. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, but essentially, I learned that game storming is essentially a catalog of design activities with like existing parameters or rules that allow you to like the right outputs that you need as a designer. So, I mean, it was... <laughs> oh, that You just took another sip. and <sighs> you, looked, you looked fulfilled. You looked happy when you took that sip. You were... This is acting. And, I, oh, feel, I feel... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know I've got a cold, but I don't feel good. Well, this actually really helps with colds. It gives you that little tickle in your throat. It's good mm. stuff, man. Yeah, it gets rid of it. It doesn't get rid of it. It, oh. Nothing gets rid of a cold. We don't have a cure for a common cold. We don't. We don't. Actually, yeah, that's, I think so. that's science, right? I think so. I don't think this is science. I don't know what this is. Um, but anyway, so 
we learned what game storming is, right? And like we learned like its value is like we could we could go and figure out like a design activity, like a design studio or something, and make up our own rules. But we have to like actually design a game activity or an activity mm-hmm. to be able to get the rules we want. So this gives us that already. So the value is we get that out of out of game storming. Some things that he mentioned in terms of getting like a lot of value out of game storming that I liked was he he actually did like some digital he turned some of the games digital essentially so mm-hmm. people that were remote they they would have like a Google sheet or something and they would allow them to enter stuff in or a Google Doc and they would allow the entire team to collaborate online um, which would which was really good for the remote employees that couldn't be in the experience in the activity. And also, um, it recorded the output of the activity as well. So instead yeah. of like having thirty post-it notes that they have to um, translate, they just had it all right there. And one thing on the like the game storing website is uh, they, they kind of warn like a lot of these games are hard to play remote with remote employees because you can't really play them together in one room. And I yeah. think I think TJ uh, from the interview they're they're starting to figure out ways that they can they can come up with games that will allow them to do that with mm-hmm. their remote employees. Yeah. So I, th- I like that a lot. Something else that he recommended was there are, there's a very vast category of games essentially. Um, and you find out what's best for you just by trial and error. So try something, see what works. If it doesn't work, then learn from that and move on and try to get something that gives you um, the outcome that you need. Those, those are the main things I took out of this. I thought it was pretty interesting. You kind of hit on the one thing that kind of struck me was when I, my impression of game storming was it was going to be game like it was going to be around it was going to be like games like you're playing games and it's going to yeah. be like cheesy and awkward yeah. and weird, right in an office. But um, what it really was kind of boils down to is is taking like something that we do regularly like a design studio or uh, uh, you know creating an affinity map and uh, just even a regular brainstorming session, but actually just putting parameters around it. It's not necessarily about making the experience fun yeah but more like having guidelines around it yeah uh around like a design review or anything like that and when you scroll through their website stuff they've got a lot of examples of games and really that's what they are yeah but i thought that was i thought that was kind of interesting it's mostly about the rule set around it and that's good too i think as a designer i'm already having too much fun so i don't need i don't need any more yeah we're just in my design process just a party over here right yeah just having a lot of fun drinking Lacroix. yeah uh yeah (laughs) Having lots of fun. Um, we hope we hope you guys learned something today in the interview. We we learned a lot. We talked about that a little earlier. Um, <clears throat> if you guys are on Twitter and you want to tell us what you learned or tell us what you're applying or uh, like any of these things that you're learning, are you applying them at work um, or any stories about things like that or any anything that you've like if you guys have used game storming at, at your work or uh, wherever you're at, um, let us know. Uh, let's talk about it and talk about it on Twitter. We're at at design underscore much with the silent E. And if you have any other questions or anything, uh, any questions about the podcast or anything, drop us uh, a DM, a direct message, as they like to say. If you're on iTunes, you listen to us on iTunes, go ahead and rate the podcast. That helps us out. You can do it now. It's super easy. Just, you know, five star that thing. It's not a big deal. Um, and we'd like to thank TJ for for coming over to the uh, Design Much Studios today <laughs> or the other day and uh, talking to us about game storming. Uh, it was great because we didn't know anything about game storming when mm-hmm. we came in, and I think we're going to apply some of these game storming principles here at Canopy. Yeah, I'm excited. Working. Um, and we'd like to thank you guys for listening. We'd like to thank you for hearing us sip LaCroix on, 
on the podcast in the microphone. <laughs> and if you have any evidence that LaCroix is unwanted Nordstrom perfume, please, please send them, send, send the evidence directly to me at design underscore much. For the silent E. <laughs> silent E. And tell us also, what are your favorite LaCroix fa- flavors? For, for all those out there th- that are on my side, tell us what your favorite flavors are. I really love some Cran Raspberry. That's that's some good stuff. Yeah, that's the flavor we know. enjoyed today. Yeah. Yeah. They all taste the same. I don't know what the difference is. But, yeah, if you do have favorite flavors, uh, and tell us why. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. When As we're going to be doing this investigative research yeah. throughout 2018, uh, <laughs> that's one thing we need to know is why. Why you would drink LaCroix. Yeah. Why do you like it so much? And we need you out. to dig deep. Like yeah. deep into your subconscious uh-huh. because it's not just that's because where you're really going to find the reason why anybody yeah. want to drink this stuff. Yeah. As Patrick said, you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as you're, as you're talking about LaCroix with your, your family and friends, keep in mind as always be excellent to each other. Yeah. Thank you for listening to design much. It's been real fam. beginning part of the name is where it goes yes it goes in your home <laughs> or in your ear so it's a pod for your home or your ear yeah but technically that doesn't make sense because i use my airpods at home um, so i'm in my home using my you AirPods. should not be using them at home you should be using your home pod at home you should be sharing your music